All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Just a Girl from Cleveland. This is episode 81, and it is NFL draft time. This came up quickly, honestly. It feels like at the end of the NFL season, I'm always kind of dreading the following weeks and few months where there's nothing happening in regards to football other than free agency moves. At least this year, it was an interesting offseason, but uh, in terms of Uh, getting closer to the next season and moving forward. The draft is a pretty pivotal point in that, so I can't believe we are already here. Um, I'm excited for it, excited to see what happens. It's weird that the Browns don't have a first-round draft pick for, you know, the first time in a while. Usually that is, for many years, we would always joke as Browns fans that that was our Super Bowl. Uh, So now to not have that pick for this year and the coming years, it's, it's a little bit crazy, but Um, can still make moves in those later rounds. We've got pick 44, um, and we saw what we were able to do last year with getting JOK in the second round. He ended up falling because of the speculation of his heart condition, and some teams got concerned and a little freaked out on it, and we were able to snag him. Heart heart condition hasn't even become an issue really at all, Uh, and he was incredible for us last year, and excited to see what he's going to be able to do this season and in coming seasons in general. So just because you don't have a first-round draft pick, I don't think you can write off the fact that it's going to be an unsuccessful draft and that you're not going to be able to build uh, some key parts of the team and and find some key guys. Also with the the draft this year, it's interesting because last year I was so excited. One, because it was in Cleveland, and I think that probably, of course, added to some of my excitement of the draft. But two, just the discussion around the quarterback position, you know, we had a lot of guys who were projected to go early round one um, and a lot of speculation on where they were going to end up falling. I mean, the first three picks in last year's draft were quarterbacks. Uh, So it was exciting and the most fun conversation to talk about, I think, in the draft is quarterbacks because you have so many teams going after a couple different guys and you're wondering if one of them's going to drop, if someone's going to trade up to get someone. It's it's always thrilling. And last season, it was incredible watching um, when the 49ers ended up taking Trey Lance, watching the Patriots just have Mac Jones fall into their lap. Uh, Justin Fields kind of en- ending up going later than uh, the other first-round quarterbacks and landing with the Bears. Uh, it was it was fun to watch and see what happened. But this year, I'm just not excited about any of these quarterbacks in particular. I would say the one I'm most interested to see what his NFL career will look like is Malik Willis. And I think that goes for most people just because of his high upside, but he could also be a complete failure and a total flop in the league. Um, There's a lot of skills that he will need to work on once he is in the league, and if he's not with the right organization that is going to help him build on that, uh, he could end up, you know, not being the quarterback that he could potentially be. So the other ones, I I don't know if I really truly believe any other guy has the potential to have that type of high upside I think other guys can be okay, um, serviceable quarterbacks in the NFL, but nobody's really exciting and standing out to me as a franchise-changing type player. Um, but you know, you never know. Uh, Tom Brady went pick 199 in his draft and ended up becoming the greatest football player of all time. So 
who are we to say anything of what anyone is going to be in this league? Um, but with that being said, still excited, going to walk through what I decided to do for this podcast, going to walk through who I have going in my mock draft for the first 10 picks, um, and then get into some Brown stuff on what I would like to see us do, what I think we're going to do, um, just some speculation, and then going to round out with a couple other NFL topics and storylines, and then just a little bit of NBA playoffs. Okay, so kicking us off here with some top 10 picks. So I'll go through what I have first and then just any thoughts or commentary I have. So Jacksonville has the first pick. This one has been an interesting topic in the last couple of days. Is it going to be Aiden Hutchinson? Is it going to be Trayvon Walker? Um, For so long, it has been pretty much confirmed that it was going to be Aiden Hutchinson. And that was not even up for debate for a long time up until I would say really like the last week or two. And it's hard to know if Trayvon's being thrown in there as uh, just some speculation from either Jacksonville or other teams uh, to throw off the scent of what is going to happen. Uh, You never know why stories come out this week in particular. Uh, Who is putting those out into the media What is their motivation behind putting that out there? Is it to benefit them? Is it to hurt another team? Is it to cause some confusion about what they're going to do? So I don't know what is true and what is not true um, and who's putting it out there, but take every single thing with a grain of salt that you hear this week. Um, I did end up deciding I think the Jags are going to go with Trayvon Walker, defensive lineman from Georgia, And then that the Detroit Lions with pick two would take Aiden Hutchinson from that team up north. Um, No, it's not because I hate that team up north that I'm not giving him the first pick. I just, I've had this gut feeling in the last week that that's how it's going to go. I don't have an extreme rhyme or reason for it, to be honest, because the speculation has been so confusing. But that is where I'm at right now. Then pick number three, the Texans, I have Evan O'Neill. Pick number four, the Jets, I have Kayvon Thibodeau. Pick number five, the Giants, I have Ikem Ikwanu. I hope I said that correctly. That's a hard one. Um, Interesting thing with Jets and Giants, they both have two picks in the top ten, which I don't feel like that happens very often, even for one team to have two picks in the top ten, let alone Two, pit, two teams having it, so it'll be interesting to see if there's any trade downs happening with one of these teams, um, if they don't like a guy where they're at, uh, or just what they go with, because this is considered to be a weak draft, and there's a lot of speculation of teams wanting to trade down in general, uh, so having two picks in the top 10 for those teams is not super thrilling or super exciting. Pick six, the Carolina Panthers. This one is one I want to get into a little bit more. Right now, I have them taking Kenny Pickett. This is the ongoing conversation of what are the Carolinas, Carolina Panthers going to do at the quarterback position. Are they going to draft a quarterback? Are they going to move forward, forward with Sam Darnold? Or is there a chance that they take maybe a lineman, and they go after a trade for Baker Mayfield. Uh, So that is going to be something to really look at this first day of the draft going into the second day on what Carolina does with that first pick. 
um, because I believe their next pick is until much, much later in the draft. It'll be interesting to see if they don't go with quarterback. I don't know if that means 100% for sure they're going after Baker Mayfield, um, but it definitely increases the chances of, of that trade potentially happening, and we could see that even happen this weekend at some point. Um, but right now I'm still going with Kenny Pickett as their selection. There's been a lot of smoke there with certain people within that organization liking Kenny Pickett, so we'll see what happens. I personally think that out of all of the quarterbacks you could look at in this draft and who else is available in either trade options or free agency, Baker Mayfield is a better option than the quarterbacks in this draft. And I know I've been critical of him in recent weeks, so that might surprise some of you to hear. But like I've always said, I don't hate Baker Mayfield. I want to see the best for Baker Mayfield. And I am honest about his talent and where it lies. And I think he's better than the quarterbacks that are available in this draft and is obviously more proven than them in the league, uh, even though he wasn't proven at the level that we would have liked in the Browns organization in general, much more successful than I think um, I would speculate many of these quarterbacks could be. So I personally think that that is what Carolina should do. Not sure if that's what they will do, but... um, we will see. That'll be the that'll be the big storyline I think I'm looking at when watching. All right, then we go back to the Giants pick again. I have them taking Sauce Gardner, corner from Cincinnati. Honestly, you can just never have too many corners. And uh, if you've got some elite ones, I think they always go quickly and early because it's hard to find elite corners in this league and with the uh, wide receiver talent that has continued to grow and teams have been really racking up a lot of that talent uh, you got to have some good corners on your roster if you want a shot in these these playing against these intense explosive offenses with these incredible quarterback receiver connections so uh, I got Sauce Gardner going there Atlanta Falcons, this is where I have the first receiver going in the draft. I have Garrett Wilson as the top receiver in the draft. I would personally not be surprised to see Jamison Williams be the top receiver or potentially Drake London. Um, Jamison Williams has really moved up, I think, in the last couple of weeks with talks about how the recovery from his injury is going and that he's making great progress. And I think teams are starting to be reminded of how talented he was um, and we're kind of maybe not looking in his direction as much due to the injury that happened um, extremely late, you know, in the college football season. So I I could see him going as the first receiver. um, But man, there's there's so many talented receivers in this draft. There's going to be a point in the first round where uh, teams just start making a run for them and they start going back to back Um, because there's a lot of good guys out there and you might see if you're going to see any trade ups in the first round I would have to believe that would be for um, one of these top receivers but for now I'm going Garrett Wilson to the Falcons next up we have the Seahawks at nine I have another corner Derek Stingley LSU like I said can never have too many good corners pretty much the same reason Seahawks need one everyone needs one but Seahawks need one That's who I have going there. And then lastly, pick 10 is where I have Jamison Williams going. Already kind of walked through him. 
Um, but him and Garrett Wilson are kind of what I'm looking at right now as the top two receivers to go in this draft. Um, like I said, also potentially Drake London could be top two as well, but um, I would I would throw him in top three on my list for now. Okay, um, couple of other thoughts going into the Browns draft portion. Uh, so Browns have pick 44, and my mind has been changed so many times on what the Browns are going to do with this pick. In my personal opinion, they should be using this pick for a wide receiver. It is the position I still feel like we are most lacking right now. I know we have some issues on the defensive line. I, I really feel like Clowney is going to sign back and we won't have to be as concerned about edge. Um, we are definitely lacking at the defensive tackle position, uh, but we've seen time and time again that this front office does not prioritize that position um, and doesn't look at it as one they need to stack with talent in the draft, so I don't see them investing in it with pick 44. Uh, so I, I still am feeling that it's going to be a receiver, and I think that's the smartest choice. Um, if you're going to put Deshaun Watson out there, it's probably important to give him uh, the right talent and surround him with the right guys to give him the best chance to succeed. Uh, so I'm still going receiver at 44. For the last few weeks, I've been really sold on Pickens as, as the selection at 44. There's a lot of upside there. Um, and I think he, in terms of just talent and sheer athletic ability, has the potential to be top five receiver in this draft. Uh, but a lot of the speculation around him about some character issues, especially that has come out in the last week, is super concerning. Now, I know I mentioned uh, take everything with a grain of salt that you hear. I don't know who's putting out these quotes, who's putting out this information, um, and wants everyone to know uh, how some scouts are feeling and how some coaches are feeling about George Pickens, the person. Uh, but it's definitely concerning when you read some of it. I'll go through a couple of the quotes I saw. One scout said, there's a lot of upside, but he can't get out of his own way. He's been enabled his whole life. A wide receiver coach said, Pickens, you love his game, but there's some issues. Do you want to work with him? He's a top six talent-wise, but it's impossible not to add those other things. He has the size, has really good range. He positions his body on deep throws. He consistently beats press coverage has good start stops with some Allen Iverson crossover in his game. A lot of the stuff uh, in, in uh, Todd Monken's system translates to the NFL, but I wouldn't touch him. Another wide receiver coach says, on tape, he's probably a top five wide receiver, but there's just so many red flags, and they're big red flags. He's got a lot of growing up to do. If he goes to the right place with a room full of veterans that help him go the right way, I think he'll have a chance. Some pretty tough quotes to read um, if you're talking about bringing high character guys into the Browns locker room. And I do think the front office values um, the interview process that they have with the draft prospects and um, how they look at the game, the kind of teammate they're going to be. I really do think that they value that a lot. So I'm not sure if they got these same type of perceptions from George Pickens. It's been um, these three quotes I gave are not the first uh, pieces of information that have been put out there about uh, maybe some concerns about George Pickens and his college career. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if 
they're willing to um, kind of take a risk on that, knowing the upside talent-wise that he has. Um, and if they believe they have the right locker room to put him in there and that will shape him into the player and the person that they want him to be in this league, um, if there's going to be a place where it could happen, I, I honestly think that the Browns organization would be a good place for that. Um, kind of have Amari Cooper in there leading that wide receiver room at the moment, a quiet, confident leader. It could potentially benefit George Pickens, but again, I don't know George Pickens. I don't know uh, how he would respond to that type of leadership or um, how he would respond to an organization that is like the Browns. So these are the parts that it, it really gets hard to know um, because we can watch what they do on the field and say they do X, Y, and Z well, and that's pretty clear and cut and dry for the most part. Obviously, things can develop once they get in the NFL, but from what you're watching in their college tape, that's pretty clear. We don't know them as people, uh, so it's really hard to say what's true and what's not and what kind of person he's going to be uh, when he gets into this league. And we always have to remember, these guys are young. Like A lot of them are still basically kids, um, and they could grow and mature a lot when they get in the league, and it's definitely a possibility. I don't want to write someone off um, just because of maybe how they conduct conducted themselves before as long as they're willing to improve on that. And I don't know if he is, so we shall see. Um, if we don't go wide receiver at 44, um, I do think it would be something on the defensive line that we would end up end up looking at. A um, couple guys that I've kind of looked at in terms of defensive tackles, Travis Jones, Logan Hall, and Perrion Winfrey. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't think that the front office would go this route because they have not prioritized the defensive tackle position in the past, but you never know. And lastly, the only other thing I want to talk about in regards to the Browns draft, because we've you know, got a bunch of picks in between. Fill out some things, probably. A tight end, maybe a running back, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, just building on the future, as Andrew Barry always says. Uh, but I want to draft a kicker. I just want to. I know it might not be the smartest option because you could get a good kicker as a undrafted free agent, but I want to draft one just because it'll make me feel good to know that they're committing <laughs> to improving that position that has burned us so many times um, for so long. So that was uh, the only other thing that I wanted to say about, about the Browns draft. Okay, so a couple other NFL storylines want to quickly talk about. Debo. So Debo Samuel has been a big topic of conversation in the last week or so. It had come out that he was wanting to be traded from the 49ers. A lot of speculation on the reason behind this. Was it money? Was it because of his usage as um, kind of putting a lot of mileage as a running back um, when he wanted to, I guess, be more of a receiver? Um, how do you pay someone who is kind of having this type of duality but also putting that type of mileage on their body? Should they be getting paid like a running back? Should they be getting paid like a receiver? Um, I'm assuming he would want wide receiver money, as we know that has been just through the roof in this offseason. Um, so I'm not really sure. I saw some things today that uh, apparently they were in a better place and were making amends, but I have no idea if that is actually true. 
the 49ers do not have to trade him if they do not want to. Um, he can ask for it all he wants, but they don't they don't have to do that. I think we've seen a lot more teams in recent years be willing to um, work with the players on these type of things and give them those trades if they want to. But then we see a lot of times where they just say, no, we're, we're not doing it because we don't want to. <laughs> and you are under contract, so it's not your choice. Uh, we, I mean, we literally just saw that happen with Baker where he requested a trade when the whole Deshaun Watson thing was going on. And they said, no, <laughs> yeah, no, we're just, we're not doing that. Um, they'll do it on their own time because he's under contract. And that's, uh, it's one of the hard parts of the game for the players. And I totally understand the frustration from their perspective. But, um, you know, as we always say, it is a, a business. And when you're under contract, uh, the team is not obligated to send you anywhere if they feel like they need to make a good decision for themselves and for their organization and for their bottom line. And um, that is just kind of how it goes. I think it's gotten better where teams have um, come to understand the player perspective a little bit more. And like I said, they've been more accommodating in recent years and many, uh, many situations uh, you just saw it happen with Tyreek Hill wanting to uh, get his bag, and he he definitely got that in Miami. And uh, I think in maybe a long time ago, teams wouldn't be willing to, to make those kind of trades, but um, now they're definitely much more willing to do that and let the player kind of do their thing. So um, it'll be interesting to see if, what any, if anything happens before the draft, or during the draft, or right after. I have no idea, uh, but that was a, a pretty shocking storyline, I guess, to see. But, I mean, I don't blame him also for looking around at the way other guys are getting paid right now and saying, hey, look, I just like was 75% of the 49ers offense, and we won a lot of playoff games, and I want to get paid. <laughs> like, I get that from his perspective. He literally carried that team, um last season and they made a, a big run in the postseason so uh i understand from his perspective why he would look at the amount of money people are getting and want that and this is something that's been i guess bothering me in the discourse about athletes getting paid lately because i feel like we don't talk about people in any other industry like this because it's sports and we think that they should just be grateful and while i i totally understand that because they're making millions of dollars and um i think of course if you're able to make that kind of money that you should have some grace and feel grateful for that um but in any other business even in businesses where people are making that level of money we always call people good businessmen and good businesswomen if they are um getting to that next level able to make a decision that makes them more money um, if someone is at one company and they see another company where they could potentially make double in the same industry that they're in and they want to make that move, we're like, wow, what a great move for you um, and supporting your family and helping your family. And I feel like we don't talk about athletes in that way as much. We just think you should just be grateful for whatever money any team gives you and that should be that. Um, I think we should maybe look at them a little more just like, how we look at, you know, millionaires who own businesses and are making business de business decisions because um, these players, just like everyone else, are trying to set 
themselves, their families, their parents, their friends, the people in their community up for success long term. And um, if that requires them negotiating to get some more money out of the few years that they are able to play in this league uh, while their body can still handle it because you have no idea how long it's going to last. It could be taken away from you tomorrow. Um, so you definitely want to get the most out of it in the moments that um, you are able to keep playing. I get why they would continue to push for a better contract so that they can take care of themselves and uh, the people around them and uh, I don't blame any of them for wanting that opportunity to set themselves up for generational wealth and give their future children something. And sometimes that takes, you know, making a move to another team and doing what you got to do. Um, so I think people just need to maybe look at them as human beings and not just uh, athletes that should um, should just be thankful because it's a little more complicated than that. There's some balance there, like. Be thankful, but also understand the human side of it and uh, that they just they want to do good for themselves and, and their people, just like we're all trying to do uh, every day that we work as well. Okay, I was going to talk about Baker, but I feel like I already kind of did that with the, the Carolina talk. Like I said, just interested to see what's going to happen this in the coming days. If there is a move for Baker, I think it's going to be Carolina or Seattle, but I just don't know. It'll, like we said, very dependent on what happens with those picks in the first round, and we'll kind of go from there. But if something's going to happen, I feel like now is the time for it to happen. If Baker is not traded this weekend, I, I don't know when it'll happen, I'm, and I'm a little bit concerned for how that looks uh, as we move into the summertime and we got OTAs and everything starting. And when he hits that point where... He would start losing money if he doesn't show up and he's still on our roster. I mean, I wouldn't blame him for showing up if he doesn't want to lose that money, but it would be incredibly uncomfortable if that is the case. So I hope a trade happens this weekend for everyone's sake so that we can avoid any of the awkwardness that, that could come with it. Okay, um, NBA playoffs, just to close things out, couple thoughts. John Morant is like the most fun player to watch right now. I just thoroughly enjoy watching him. I have to say, I don't think he should have won most improved. I think it's silly that he won rookie of the year two years ago. And then two years later is able to win most improved. It's like, did you actually make that jump? If you were already at that level, maybe not. I just think that that award has kind of lost its meaning on what most improved means, because I feel like it should be have you have you made that jump? Have you made that increase in your production and talent? And although Ja has been amazing to watch this year, he was already a very good player. Uh, he won, like I said, Rookie of the Year two seasons ago. So I don't know. I thought it was a little, little silly he won that award. Um, I have no idea at this point who is going to make it to the NBA Finals. These, The first round, uh, the series in the first round, have been absolutely incredible to watch. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I got to say, though, I'm just like a little bit scared of the Celtics right now. Watching the way they handled the Nets, um, they look like one of the most complete teams out there right now uh, on both sides of the ball. And I, I would not be surprised to see them make it to the finals, which is not something I would have even said five months ago. Um, but they've really, in the second half of the season and into the playoffs, really become one of the most complete teams to watch. 
There have also just been so many injuries in the playoffs this year. It's really hard to say what teams are going to look like week to week and series to series because different guys have gone down. I know for the Suns, Booker went down. Uh, He's projected to hopefully be coming back, but you lose players like that, that's super tough. And I don't know what they need to do to fix this, if they need to cut down the regular season, what the solution is. But having so many major players get injured in the playoffs is not fun for anyone. No one wants that to happen. So I don't know. Hopefully we can figure something out to fix that. Um, The last NBA thing, though, I want to talk about was this might shock people to hear me say, I'm starting to like Kevin Durant and I don't, I don't know like when it hit me that I was like, I kind of am enjoying him. Obviously he's like always been a very gifted player, but I I struggled for so many years when he went to Golden State and it was hard for me to ever get over him. Like the whole Draymond Green calling him in the parking lot after saying, you got to come to the Warriors, whatever. It just always bothered me that whole storyline, but something about Kevin Durant recently has been like so self-aware in a lot of ways. Like one, just trolling on social media. It's kind of funny and I think he enjoys it. Like I don't think he actually gets that bent out of shape about it. Like he just likes trash talking people on social media and going back and forth. And I think his transparency and just being like, yeah, this is fun. I like doing this. Like talking back and forth with people. I think that's kind of fun and self-aware. It's weird when a player is like actually mad or a player like pretends they don't look at social media, but they're actually looking at it all the time and you know it. Like, I don't like that because that's dishonest. But Kevin Durant's like, yeah, I love being on Twitter and going at people and it's fun. Like, I kind of appreciate that level of self-awareness. The other thing that I thoroughly enjoyed hearing him talk about recently was after game one in the Nets Celtic series, when Kyrie had been flicking off the fans um, in Boston the whole game, and Kevin Durant was asked about it afterwards on kind of Kyrie's reaction. Obviously, Kyrie had an incredible game that day, and Kevin Durant kind of articulated his point in a way that I haven't heard many athletes articulate the understanding of both the player and fan perspective on this topic. Like he understood Kyrie's frustration and was like, yeah, he can respond to people when it pushes him too far and it motivated him today and maybe tomorrow it won't motivate him uh, to do that, but that's what he needed to do today in order to, to play to his best of his ability and Uh, sometimes fans take it too far and you just, you have to clap back and you have to respond. And, um, luckily it it worked out in his play that day, other games, not so much, but, um, the thing he articulated though, was the fan perspective on it. Um, really going into the fact that fans do this because they once cared about you. Uh, he said they, you know, they buy your gear they buy tickets they watch you they love you you're a part of their community and then one day you leave whether you know it's a trade or whatever reason someone leaves and a part of them is gone too and um it's because they loved you at one point and i thought it was just it made me feel good to hear a player articulate that because sometimes i do think players can forget um, the fan perspective that, um, 
teams are a part of people. Like in a lot of communities, they're so important to the people in that city and it becomes a part of their identity in a lot of ways and they do spend a lot of time and a large portion of their money supporting those teams. Uh, So when a player goes, it is like a part of you has left. Um, And having Kevin Durant say that and understand that, I, I really appreciated hearing him say that because of course I understand the mental aspect for the players and how fans heckling will affect them. And of course I think there is a line. Many fans take it too far. We saw Yankees fans take it too far the other day throwing full beer cans at the Guardians players um, when Stephen Kwan was injured. So yeah, there's definitely a line that gets crossed. Um, but in general, like I... I understand why fans feel the way they do, and I understand why players feel the way they do. And I think both parts are important to this sports ecosystem that exists. Um, I've talked about this on here before. I think the three parts to the sports ecosystem are important and all make it go round. And without one part, the entire thing would collapse. So you have the players who you need playing on the field or the court or whatever sport they're playing for it to exist. Without them, it would not happen. You need the fans because the fans pay for everything that um, the players are able to end up having. So their support for the teams, whether it's watching on TV and you know they're being able to be these big TV contracts or the reason that an owner wants to buy a team, why does it have value? Because it has value because Uh, It being in a city where people support it will help it to grow and increase in value. If no one supported it, uh, an owner would, or a a person with a lot of money would not want to be an owner of a sports team because it would have absolutely no value in it. So the fans are incredibly important because without it, uh, athletes would be paying or playing for zero dollars. And then the third part is the media, and you could call that journalists or TV deals side of things. Um, Obviously, the TV deals are a huge part of the monetary side of things. Um, And although I I know media has changed a lot, and now you see kind of players getting involved in the media side of things, you see fans getting involved in the media side of things, I think there still is an important place for actual journalism that um, you have... Not, not everyone agrees with it that it's unbiased, but I do believe in general an unbiased source to put out information that is not leaning towards one thing or another. Um, like I said, that doesn't always happen and that's not always the case, but I think it's important that that exists in the world and for the most part it does exist. Um, and I will say that the media at the end of the day does benefit the players because a lot of times, whether it's a player or their agent, or an organization and uh, a team will use the media to put a message out there that they want. Um, So I think they play an incredibly important role either, like also in this ecosystem, because they're able to communicate that message out between the fans and the players. Um, Obviously, a player might not want to just come out and say they want to request a trade. They might do that through a journalist or through a media member. Uh, So I do think they play a important role in this entire ecosystem as well. And like I said, without one part of it, if we didn't have TV contracts, uh, those players would not be making the kind of money that they're making. If we didn't have the fans, everything would fall apart. (laughs) If we didn't have the athletes, 
the sports literally wouldn't exist. So um, good to remember all perspectives of it, I think, and all of that. I did not plan to go on that little rant, but it's something I always think about, kind of the three pillars of sports on what makes it go around, um, and it's always good to remember. Okay, well, now that I'm out of breath, that is all I have for you guys today. Looking forward to the NFL draft. I will do an episode sometime after the draft when I'm able to let everything digest, see what we got, what we're looking at, and uh, be able to dig into those players, especially the ones I don't know in like the sixth and seventh round, talk about it, and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens. All right, thank you for listening.